Hello there, and I am so thrilled that each one of you is joining us today. My name is Amber Griffiths, maker of Legends, and it is that time again, my friends. So grab your Legend pack, crank that speaker to 11. Welcome to Legend. This is the Get Real, Get Loud with Purpose podcast. And the entire purpose of this is to have a conversation with people and explore their dreams and their visions, and especially those individuals who know that what they are creating their story, their message, their movement, it is destined to become something greater than themselves. Each one of my guests have chosen to leap into entrepreneurship, into speaking, and in their own way, they are owning their voice and they're here to share some of that with each of you. So today I get to speak with Marcia, and I am so thrilled that I'm not going to say her last name because I cannot do it correctly. <laughs> Marcia, welcome and thank you so much for coming to play. Hi, Amber. I'm very excited to be here. It's been so fun. I got to meet you in New Orleans a few months ago, and it's one of those, there are certain people that stand out, certain people with all those speakers and all those things going on. Some of it gets a little blurry, but I remember you specifically, and not just because of your accent and not just because I couldn't pronounce your last name, but your story was beautiful. And your willingness and vulnerability from stage, which is not something that everyone can do. Um, regardless of what that stage looks like. Sometimes it's a sales call stage. Sometimes it's in front of 10,000 people. But your willingness to be that authentic and vulnerable was was beautiful and intriguing. So I wanted to make sure that I, if I had a platform to help you share that story, I wanted to make sure we did that. So let's start from the very beginning. Marcia, tell us what you do, who you serve, and what you're all about. Okay, well, I, I love this introduction because uh, this is what I'm here to talk about. So I'm glad that you recognize that in me uh, because I wasn't that way <laughs> and I became that way. Uh, and that's what I'm actually here to talk about, right? So um, I'll start with who I am and then follow up with, with who I service and, and what I do now, because I think that makes more sense in, the, in this particular story. Yeah. So I grew up in the Netherlands, hence the name. <laughs> Uh, and at 12 years old, because of what I was exposed to, I realized I wanted to live and work all around the world. And so the choices I made after that uh, indeed led to an international career, living and working and even going to school in almost every continent. Uh, and I still uh, hope to continue doing that <laughs> till the end of my days. <laughs> Um, but that path meant that from an early age, so from around age 12, I ended up um, in environments where there was less than 20% girls because of the subjects I had to choose, because of studying engineering and because of the type of industry I ended up working in, right? Um, but I landed an international staff job with a multinational. So that was the dream, right? I was being exposed to stuff and was allowed to do things and see things that nobody else I knew was doing, right? And I was going everywhere and flying everywhere. And, and so largely, I loved it. The part that I struggled with is that I tried to play by the rules of the game. I'm thinking I need to hold on to this, right? So I need to do this the way I'm being told to do this. Um, and so I really tried. Deep down inside, it wasn't working, but I tried. Till one day, I was working um, in eastern Russia on a relatively small island, working and living together with the colleagues 
of a project that in itself was a, a powder keg, right? That there was a gazillion things wrong with the setup, the atmosphere, the the politics, the situation. It was in general already a situation not set up for success. Um, again, I was working uh, largely with males, many of whom told me repeatedly that they could have been my father, right? That kind of a <laughs> age ah, dynamic. <laughs> um, and um, I um, lost my baby at 15 months pregnancy. And for me, becoming a mother was a challenging choice because I did not want to repeat history. So the decision to become pregnant had been a very difficult one. I lost that pregnancy, came back to the island, to that already complex situation, and nobody had even known I was pregnant. So I came back a changed person um, and realized <laughs> that that is not, uh, yeah, that I could not get back on the hamster wheel, right? I could not go back in that situation. So that's me. Um, I uh, continued my career with a multinational and had many more, much more successful years <laughs> in the oil and gas industry. And, and we'll, we'll talk no doubt more about that change. Um, and in 2018, I decided to resign from that career. And since then, I've worked for myself. So I'm now a, an executive consultant and coach. Um, and I do uh, transformations, uh, so change. Um, I help uh, medium to very large organizations um, or professional individuals get unstuck. Um, I use the metaphor of the hamster wheel. Uh, so we're talking about the situation where people have wanted the change, where they've been trying to get to that change themselves, um, where they've implemented things, tried things, and it's not working. So they're going around on their hamster wheel and they get to the point where it's like, I, I need a hand to get off, right? Right. I, right. I, I can't. I can't just keep going like this. Or the organization says that or the individual. And, and that's where then I come in. I so that's you. what I do and what I love. I love it. I love it, I love it so much. I, maybe this is part of why I loved your story about it so much is I spent so many years in corporate even though I could hear that voice going, okay, there's more, there's something else out there. Like, what are you doing in this office? This is not where you're meant to be. And I kept hitting up against, you know, it wasn't a glass ceiling. It was kind of concrete and had spikes in it. And, <laughs> and yet I kept thinking, no, but this is what I said I wanted. I was VP. I had this big executive spot. And yet it's like you said, you're like, I was happy. Okay. I liked it generally. But when you get on the other side of that and there's so much sunshine and like, literally and metaphorically, you're like, oh, here we are. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So I love that you help people realize that. It sounds to me like there's people on this hamster wheel. They know the things they, at least they know some of the things they could be doing, but we can't see our own eyebrows, right? So we have to have somebody on the outside, preferably a professional who can come in and say, ah, here's the holes, here's the broken spots, here's your path. So. When people first come to you, Marcia, what is their, what's their biggest stress? Like why, what's their hesitation? If they know they need change, what's their biggest objection to getting outside help from you? Um, I, th I think by the time they're willing to reach out, uh, I think it's, they've usually reached that point, right? 
but they've reached that point because they haven't reached out. So they reached that point because they probably should have gotten help sooner, right? As you say, it's very, it's sometimes hard to see how you're getting in your own way, right? And and to see the patterns because you're also, you see already what you've all tried and you've seen other people successful with these approaches. So why does it work for you and what? And it, and it feels like a failure, right? It feels hard. And so yeah. to admit that maybe you can't do it yourself. So by the time I come in, it's usually because they haven't admitted that it's no longer working <laughs> and they, and, mm. and, and it's not really help, right? Yes, it's help, but it's not help. It's a fresh stimulus. And if you look at it that way, Ooh, right, yeah. it's a different pair of eyes. It's a different spark. Um, so it's, it's a bit like, uh, they reach that point where, you know, on your phone, you keep on recharging the battery and you've literally taken three pictures and it's gone again. And you're like, it doesn't, it doesn't recharge anymore. Right. There is no energy yeah. there. And so you need an external spark to get back to the point where that works and you can do it yourself. Oh, and absolutely. so I think what happens is that they're running around and nothing quite works. And somehow they run into me or they hear about me or they've seen somebody else who with a coach or a, an interim consultant has achieved some success and then say, hey, right. okay, then somebody says you need Marcia for this. Yeah. So oh, I that's, think that's great. at least, right? So it sounds like it's not just a a routine issue or a circumstance issue like it sounds like this is something that would link directly to their cash flow like if they're if you come in and can help them so talk about that a little bit like how you work with people to increase revenue streams okay yeah so um once i've made a pivot in my career i also started to look at the stuff that is really me and that i do really like and one of the things that I love is decision-making and there's a whole structures and ideas and systems around facilitating complex decision-making um, and working in between teams and people, there is influencing skills where there's also a whole science behind. So I dove headfirst in much of that um, and, and risk management is another pillar in that for me. Um, and, but the thing that, I think out of decision making and risk management comes most to me is that it's hard to make a decision if you're trying to choose between things that are not equally matured or developed. And mm -hmm. so daring to step into something new or making a change and maybe going to, into a new market or going um, or pivoting a bit where you offer your service or adding elements to it. Um, or justifying to spend a whole bunch of money that maybe takes longer than what you're comfortable with to, to pay back. Making these decisions, if you don't work um, through the elements of it, means that you tend to not decide. <laughs> yeah, so uh -huh. what I do, yeah. <laughs> actually try to distill that thinking and say, okay, there was something that triggered you to start thinking about this or go here or go there, right? So what is it now that we can start doing that puts more meat on the bone of this option 
to either reduce the risk in your head because you know more about it yeah. or to give you more information so that it actually at a level of definition becomes more on par with the situation you know. Because if if you're trying to step out and get out of your comfort zone, unless you're being kicked out, right? Unless you're being kicked out, because otherwise your business goes bankrupt or whatever, unless you're right. being kicked out, if that other option doesn't have enough definition, the status quo will always feel more comfortable, right? Wow. I hadn't thought about it that way. I like that. I like that a lot. You're right. I, I'm a firm believer in your comfy zone. Your comfort zone isn't. It's just familiar. It's not actually very comfortable. But you do know you know, it's what you do day in and day out. So it's at least familiar. I mean, it may be a pile of crap, but at least you know exactly what that pile looks like and smells like and feels like. So at least it's familiar to you. So when you're working with some of these, especially these larger companies, every single large company is made up of individuals. So even if it's a multi-million dollar company, it still has this human being who is struggling or just needs, like you said, a fresh perspective, a new stimulus, which I think is just a brilliant way to say that, this catalyst of for change that you can bring into it. What has been, what's your greatest reward? When you get to work with a company like that or an individual like that, like what's your wee-ha at the end of the day? What's your yay me? Um, so my biggest driver to doing this is that if I do my job well, people go home happier right um mm. because even if there is no conflict or disagreement a company or a collaboration or a situation that doesn't work is is energy draining right so if i do my job well there is more energy in the job but people also go home with more energy right mm. and actually have a better quality of life yeah. And in the more extreme cases, it means avoiding burnouts, right? And it's turning people's lives oh. around. Uh, if you're talking about these big reorgs where people have run into the frustration is built up over months and the uncertainty and the and the everything, right? Uh, yeah. Right. If you, and and yeah, the sooner <laughs> I can start make some changes, the sooner people start to believe that there may be light to the end of the tunnel. That makes sense to me. I mean, and I know, as a, when, yeah, as, sorry, a, as a parent that impacts the kids, the rest of the family. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. And if I, I have been a mom only long enough to know that um, my bad mood can impact the entire household. <laughs> and even if it's not a bad mood, if I'm just having one of those days where I'm like, okay, I'm just exhausted. I'm just drained. It impacts the flow of the rest of the day for the entire household. So that makes a lot of sense to me. When I think back to leaving corporate to start my own business, I came home near tears for years, literally years, trying to figure out how to break through things and try to make change and try to make an impact and figure out what the heck I was doing wrong when if I had had somebody like if I, I'm all about getting coaches and consultants in my life right now, like I thrive on that. I wish that corporate would do that more often have somebody come in and say let from this outside perspective let me help you right like yeah that would have been so much easier so much more fun sometimes it's it's so simple right so one of the last jobs i had 
there'd been some organizations put together in a collaboration that didn't work. So the top was taken out, new people were put in. But ultimately, these were three, four, five different organizations with people who came from extremely different backgrounds, right? So one mm. of the first things we did is looked at the meeting meeting structures and said, okay, it sounds counterintuitive, but for a while, we're going to have more meetings and we're going to have more people in it because the more the group of people hears the same message and hears it directly from the horse's mouth from each other, the quicker we can establish how these disconnects happen, because you have to assume that everybody is operating from the best intentions, right? Right, right. Assume best intentions always. Yeah. Yep. So if you really assume there's best intentions, then you should be able to figure out by people directly hearing what's being said going, oh, hold on. <laughs> right. I had heard that this is what you wanted, but now I hear you say it directly. I'm starting to pick mm. up. And you start to see, you, you start to take out so much small stuff and people start to get to know each other better. So even if you then later reduce the meeting structure to more normal and sensible levels and you mm -hmm. only have representatives of teams, there's more faith that stuff gets less lost in translation, right? So it's an easy trust builder. That's really smart. And you're right, totally counterintuitive. I'm all about this meeting could have been an email. Like I, I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> you know, we believe in meetings. Let's have them all. But I'm, but that makes sense if everybody can feel heard, if they can feel like they have a voice at the table, if they can feel like they're a part of the team and not just getting it third and fourth generation down. That ownership seems like that would come into play as well. Has that been your experience? Yeah, and it creates trust, trust, mm -hmm. and and I think that's that's the basis for good collaboration, right? And uh, sure. and I think it also translates to the individual level because I think if you're trying to, uh, trying to work through change by yourself, right? I think talking it through and getting what you said yourself a week earlier played back to you <laughs> can sometimes be so powerful because that's how you yeah, start to see how you're actually, you know, fighting yourself sometimes on fronts or that you, somehow some days it's your gut talking and you're saying left. And then the next week you're in a different space and some other stuff happened and you're going very rationally and saying, well, no, but it should really be right. That's the only thing that makes sense. Right. And it helps if somebody then can ask the question, say, what happened between those two? Can we figure right. out what is it that makes you swing so drastic, right? Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. When you're having, oh my goodness, I have like eight questions in my head and they all just collided in a massive traffic jam. So when you, you talked about having this trust. So if I'm a smaller business owner or if I'm a human, let's say I'm just, you know, Joe Schmo on the street, how can I take those same principles of building trust and communication how do i apply that to like life how do i apply that to my personal relationships as well um i think i've um also just learned much clearer to to say maybe not in the first iteration of a conversation but in the second or the third where 
I think I've been clear on something, mm. but I'm not getting the reaction that I'm expecting. I go back, but I go back in a moment where I'm calm and where I'm, you know, not emotional about the situation. <laughs> right. And say, hey, I thought I made it clear that in our decision on X, that I really wanted at least some of this in there. Right. I said, but I don't, in the way you're going about, I don't recognize that. So did you hear it? Are you aware? Yeah. Are you? And it leads to very interesting conversations and it and it shows me right how um but in doing so uh, I've also gained more trust um in it's a simple in in the relationship with my husband because quite often it turns out that he heard a lot of what I said, but then I talked maybe too much <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what I did say really trying to work with it right and right so it creates trust that that my values and my or my priorities or what's really dear to me matters it's also it creates mm. trust back that I start that I, I get better and better at prioritizing and not wanting 10 things but kind of then saying okay right this one if we get this one in Right. So I think there's yeah. this this um that that what is really I feel safer. It it creates an emotional safety, I think. Uh ah. both ways. That that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a it's a relationship builder in that sense. And yeah. what then happens, I think in the professional sphere, if you do this with suppliers or with partners, if you try to tease this out and, and are willing to be a little bit more open and kind of saying, well, Okay, this is big for my business because I'm venturing in this new arena, right? And so I'm working with you, but on this one, my risk appetite is just different, right? I think yeah. it's worth sometimes saying these things because then that becomes a whole different conversation. Um, yeah. And I think that creates a different collaboration and a different relationship. Um. And I've in situations like that either had people tell me very honestly that say, if I'm now here all this, I should take your business, right? I should take it, but I'm really not actually the right partner for you in this, right? Yeah. I hear yeah. this, this is not it. Or others where it that that relationship becomes different because it comes becomes about the win-win. Oh, I like that. I like that. You are still speaking my language. I'm I'm all about that. Like, ask for what you want. Boldly ask for what you want. Don't worry about the results. Like, just because that's about them. But actually speak what you want. Communicate, like over communicate. In fact, it's it's all part of for me. I look at it through branding, which is you get to put out on the table. Here's my values. Here's what I here's the things that are non-negotiable. Here's the thing that I think are good ideas. So let's figure that out. But the more readily we can own that and share that, then I think it does it. That trust becomes in, almost instant because the person listening can go, oh, yeah, me too. Or, wow, she I disagree with her completely, but I appreciate how open she was, how vulnerable she was. Allow me to have that same space. So I like that concept of we're creating this opportunity to build trust. I think that's I think that's really cool. I th and if you can do that in corporations, 
oh my goodness, you know, where there's more money on the table and more ego on the table and more red tape in the way, <laughs> all those things from the corporate side of things. All right. I have to ask you some personal questions because I want to understand because I'm a, because I'm all about the brand and all about the persona. I want to understand a little bit more about who you are as a human being. So you live in the States now mm -hmm. and you've been doing this business. If you couldn't do what you're doing right now, what would you be doing? Like, it, or, if, or rather maybe it's, if you could go do anything, if money was not the issue, if location was not the issue, you talked about wanting to travel all around the world, what would you be doing for living for fun if it wasn't this? Um, I, well, I would do a lot more sailing, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I have uh, three kids, right, who are between fifth and ninth grade at the moment, so I'm severely tethered to a place at least during the school weeks um Good. so if i would have more freedom i would do a lot more sailing uh and i would probably also do a lot more scuba diving because <laughs> uh, it takes a bit of time diving. to get places and travel there um and uh, the best places are a little further afield right so i would take my time for that um where's your favorite place to go scuba diving uh we with that this was when we were in eastern russia we were we had no leave and we made crazy money, right? So when we finally managed to go, we went to uh, uh, Bora Bora and Rangiroa in French Polynesia. Oh, wow. These are places yeah. I've only heard of. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, those those holidays you only have if you already live on the weird side of the Fair. world, maybe, right? Fair. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely the best. But there's so many more places, right, you could go. I mean... I've been snorkeling once in Hawaii. Like I got to swim with the dolphins and run into a great big sea turtle and like that kind of a thing. I've never been to Bora Bora. Like that's one of those places in the movies. <laughs> I'm so glad to know they're real. That's awesome. <laughs> no, and, uh, and I don't know if I always said that if I'd win the lottery, I would start uh, flipping houses, but it's not really the right term. What I would really like to do is to help people kind of make make their home make life work right so i like doing the homes and i like doing interior decorating but i also like to then pull in the what's the family that needs to live here and what's the lifestyle they have and how does that work and how do you build all that in that it becomes really home maybe it comes from all the moving right but that ah. it's that it's a place where everybody in the family can recharge and that has the functional space to have the social life or the the home work from home life or the everything yeah that you need it to be right i would i would love to do that i think there's money in that i think that could be super fun although it comes back and clearly there's a theme like i'm going to see what's here and i'm going to figure out from the outside how to organize it in a way <laughs> that it's more productive yes. that it's more you talked again about recharging clearly yes. energy is a thing with you like you want people to have more energy and be happier and i am um, i spoke with a woman i'm trying to remember she oh she runs a virtual assistant agency and her comment was i only take happy money 
And she's like, if they're not happy, if they're not content with what we did for them, I don't want their money. I'm just going to refund it because there's energy around that. And she's like, I just want to be able to giggle when I look at my bank account. I don't want to look at that invoice and go, ah, that was so terrible. <laughs> so she just doesn't work with people like that because of that energy around it. Is that fair to say that energy is yes. like you're at least aware? For me, it's it? more the going back to the authenticity. I really mm -hmm. learned that me working in my authentic style and so I got feedback. I get a lot of feedback about my energy levels. Uh, and so people say I ha I bring an infectious energy that gives me power to get things done. But for me, that comes from doing things, giving from what I have, right? And and yeah. bringing that. And that's that's a forever rechargeable energy source. If I work from that, I can work a gazillion hours and I can keep going. If I try to work from somebody else's core, which I tried, right? right. It's draining and, and, and it ends, right? You can't do it. And so yeah. I don't necessarily think that individuals or entrepreneurs or large organizations that get stuck are completely lost, right? Like I was, I think that's an extreme case, but I do think you can get disconnected and I and I do believe that even groups of people can have an authentic way of operating together that works. Yeah. And if you find that, if you can find, you know, and that can be have individuals who don't necessarily get along or don't have the same styles, but I still believe you can find then a way of working together. Right. That is energizing right. for all involved. And, and that gives energy to, to the business, right? Which leads to results. Yeah. It's a, uh, we've all heard of that, like that zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of competency, whatever that, you know, the four zones. And when I talk to people about their zone of genius and then borderline even into that zone of transformation, I'm like that is that endless supply of energy and joy. Like if you don't know if you're there, <laughs> like if you just, you wake up and you're like, let's go, 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 go. I don't even realize that it's 10 o'clock. I forgot to eat. I forgot to pee. Like we're just doing this thing because I love it. Chances are that's your zone of genius because of that endless supply. Like you just, it doesn't drain you because it lights you up so much. And and that in the end, this is life, right? So there's still going to be 20% of your life where there's stuff that also needs to happen. Right, right. There's, there's the stuff you that you're like, that, I would rather right? eat a bug than do this right now. Yeah. But I've also found that even that stuff, the stuff that is not my favorite, when I do it my way, like you talked about somebody else's rules. So not my thing. I think it's why I'm so happy as an entrepreneur is I have an issue with authority. Have since I was like four. So like, that is not my thing. So if we can do even the mundane things, if we can do it our way, you know, and maybe that's just cranking the music and, you know, singing along while we're doing this terrible thing that we don't like to do. Maybe that's part of what can get us through that so that it's not a total drain, but the stuff still gets done. The, the the rough stuff still happens. Perhaps. Yeah, and and if you have joy in so much of the other stuff you do, then there is spare energy, right? Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. I think yes, 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 yes. Okay, I have one more question for you before I'm gonna let you go, and it's so trivial, except that I'm a, I'm a total food snob, and when I travel, I don't get to travel tons. I did more before the last three years. So I'm getting back into it. I plan tri my trips around what kind of food I want to try. <laughs> so I I mean, the, the first time I went to Portland, Oregon, it's because I had heard there was good food. So I wanted to go try it. And I 
they were right. There's great food there, so I've gone back several times. What is your favorite food that's like your comfort food that whether that's I'm not I'm not okay, I don't feel well, so I've had a bad day, so I'm gonna eat this, or it's just this is home to me. So what's your comfort food? And when you're doing that, do you invite people to eat it with you or do you eat it by yourself? Um yeah, no, I eat with others. <laughs> I can also eat by myself, but uh, I'm not very good at um, looking after me food-wise when it's just me. Mm. Mm. Not interesting, right? Um, so I'd say my comfort food or my favorite meal is a really nice salad with either fish or shrimp or some good cheese or something in it. And then really good, chunky, skin-on fries. And then with a glass of bubbles on Friday night bubbly i like the glass of bubbly i'm with you have you ever had the glass of bubbly with popcorn like uh, just popcorn and bubbles maybe not not in a way that i recollect as special yeah I've, I've been hearing recently that it's a good thing so i'm just sharing that i'm just putting that out there <laughs> but i like the salad i had one for lunch i'm a i'm a big believer in the fresh like i feel good when i eat the fresh veggie you know cucumbers taste like summer to me and so and anything that I can put a tomato on, I'm totally there. I will eat whatever it is if there's a tomato on it. Oh, so. I'm a big tomato fan too. Did you try the fried green tomatoes when you were in New Orleans? No, no, like, I missed come back. I'm going to have to. I did try the alligator sausage and there was something else alligator that I ate and I can't remember what it is now, but it was very tasty, but I missed the tomatoes. Okay, fine. I'll come back. Twist my arm. I'm there. Please I'm do. coming. <laughs> I will definitely do that and we'll go out and we'll get a good salad and some fries together. So thank you, Marcia. Is there anything, if there's one, one piece of advice you would give to the people listening about anything, what would it be? Um, I have a little trick that really works for me that I think is maybe worth sharing. So, you know, I came from a place where I was trying to work by everybody else's rules. And so I was, I'm very susceptible to what other people say. I supposed to be doing or I have to do uh, and I tend to take too much of that on board and so uh, a way for me to kind of go back to say hey what do I need or want or what is my gut telling me here I ask myself says who right I'll go like well I have to do this I have to and then I'm like okay hold on says who and way too often the answer is they or them, and then I'm like, oh, right. no, who the hell is they? Those are easy. There's, that doesn't make any sense. And then sometimes there is a name, and then I'm like, okay, why for them, right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's like, okay, I do remember this comes actually down from the CEO, and this was in their core. So, okay, that's where it comes. From. But then I know right. where it comes from. And even if I would not necessarily completely agree with it, because I then know knows where it comes from, I can accept it as a boundary to work within or a given. And suddenly I'm like, okay, fine. But that question says who? It really, yeah, it really helps I'm using that. to filter I, out. That's brilliant. I had a I worked with a therapist once who her big thing was just like fire the authority. Whoever that authority thing is in your world that isn't you. And this this is even easier because it's like, oh, you're right. The peanut gallery 
says I should be doing this. So why am I doing that? Okay, I'm keeping that. The best two words I have learned in a week, says who? I love it. Marcia, thank you so much for coming to play today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your voice. Thank you. Absolutely appreciate it. Thank you. For those of you who are listening, thank you so much for coming and listening. And I know, I know that there have been gems of genius and wisdom and inspiration that have been dropped. I hope you will pick something of that up and take it into your life and use it to inspire you to take action today. So until I get to see you again in person, as always, rock on. <laughs>